0: Uga Chaka, Ooga Chaka, ooga, 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 Ooga Chaka I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me And you hold me in your arms so tight You let me know that you feel alright And I... Hooked on a feeling. Now we got to watch the rest of our dogs. (laughs) Kyle, that was great, man. Thanks so much, dude.
1: That was good. Nobody's done that track. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it from the film. That's how I know it. Guardians of the Galaxy oh no, no that's where i know it from oh, yeah you're much younger than me i know it from reservoir dogs quentin tarantino way back in 1992 or something like that
0: yeah i haven't seen that way
1: one. back when yeah Garnet. yeah guardians of the galaxy used it too man that's interesting all right kyle welcome to the show thank you so much uh a little m.i.a with carlito all of a sudden you know we've got personal lives too and things are going on and uh he's got to take a little break but uh he feels bad but we're wishing him all the best and uh, he'll be back. He'll be back. But I mean, we're going to get on with the show here. Kyle, you were saying that you, you're actually a fan. Love the show. You've been
0: listening to it for quite a bit. Yeah, pretty much since the beginning.
1: Since the very beginning, a long time ago, those earlier shows eh, where we really didn't know what the hell we were doing. We were just like talking construction and just whatever spout, and that's it. Okay, so today I got Kyle Springer. It's a two two by two, so two x two construction. Yeah. Uh, And then project manager website is www.2x2construction.ca. Kyle at 2x2construction.ca. And on Instagram, it's also 2x2construction. And it's probably applicable to the other socials as well. But uh, it won't be hard to find you, man. I think I did a search for one, and you're the first one that came up. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Let me Pretty do much. a little few. I got to do some shout-outs. Give me, a, give me a second here, Kyle. Let me just do a little shout-outs here. My main man, Zach, brother, what's going on? At Righteous underscore contracting. He's a huge fan of the show, always listening to the show. He's paying attention to my tweets. I don't know why people pay attention to my tweets, but I guess I got shit to say because I just want to say shit. And it kind of resonates with people. So, Zach, hope all is well, dude. Uh, he actually asked me a question one morning. I think this is a couple of weeks back what do you do when you're um you're through periods of self-doubt or you hit an absolute wall that's what he was asking me and i just i replied by saying i attach myself to things that i'm proud of uh, the accompli- accomplishments that i pulled off and then basically these things actually made me a better person and moving on i kept on going back and just thinking about all the good times while you're going through a bad time and he appreciated that. So, Zach, thanks so much, man. Hope all is well. And then Matthew Chadwick out of uh, Quebec there. My main man, at Chadwick Matt 3 What's up, man? We've been chatting quite a bit on DMs. Uh, he was sharing me some insight about the drywall self-feeding guns because I've spoken my mind about the guns having issues in the corner. And he was like, listen, man, I here. and he sent me a video of him using it. And I was like, great. He's using it in the corner, but it was about an inch away from the corner. And I'm like, okay, tell me when there's a stud there that's like a half inch. And now you've got another half inch on that side. Now you've got no material. you got to go on an angle. He goes, yeah, true. That makes sense. self feeders don't work that way on an angle. So you got to hold another gun. So, I mean, drywall guys have figured that out, but he was bringing that up. We were talking about it. And he was just asking me about tool belts as well. And I said, listen, I'm a Snickers holsters guy. I got rid of my tool belt a long time ago. Uh, I just like the holsters. That's all it was, right? So um, I also want to give out a shout for Nick Voss uh, at Heartwood Timber Underscore Design. So he's a, he's a huge fan. He's from the States. He goes, I'm a saw. Uh, Trying to get into the timber framing trades. I love your podcast with Caledon Timber Frames. That was show number 180. That was a great one talking to Roland Scoos. It was the first one we were talking actually about um, uh, timber framing, man, exposed timber framing, which is an art in itself. And uh, Nick was just wondering if down the road we can do more of those shows. And I'm like, Nick, I want to invite more guys and girls that do that kind of work because that's that's just pure art, man. I find it. And uh, Caledon was the first guys that I spoke to. I'm sure that there's going to be more guys. And then he also gave me a little insight about the baltic birch because i've been complaining about the cost of baltic birch lately and he says uh, i I hope you remember that russia actually has the most or has a huge amount of baltic and that's why and i'm like yes and no and we got talking a little bit about it because i was talking about something i bought at central and then two weeks later it was 25 dollars more and that was at the beginning of the russia ukrainian thing that was going on and i'm like i don't think that was the real reason why that went up to 25 bucks but it was good to talk about it. So, Nick, thanks so much for that. And then I also want to let everybody know uh, we have a lot of clients listening to the show. And we really appreciate them listening to the show. They don't engage with me all that much. I don't know. Maybe they think I'm mean, but they listen to the show. They listen to everybody. And I just want to let everybody know that everybody that comes on this show, I think only a handful of people know this. I put your information on the website, on the Construction Life website. So I actually put your website, your handles, your social, your contact info, and I do that because I want clients to go to the website listen to the shows or they find the shows and then all of a sudden if they're looking for a gc if they're looking for a painter they're looking for somebody that's been on the show here's the deets to get a hold of them reach out to them and talk to them so all you clients out there remember there's a section on the website that will get you in contact with everybody that's been on the show that's it so kyle
0: on with the show today so the main reason why i reached out to you i wanted to come on the show is finances Big portion of this business, but a lot of people underestimate finances and how to actually do them properly. There's just so many aspects to it.
1: I would say, is it underestimate or purposely ignore?
0: It could be a bit of both.
1: We're not the best when it comes to paper, finances, numbers, unless it's on a tape measure.
0: So I've been in business for myself now about eight or nine years started out with a partnership with a good friend of mine that lasted a couple years. After that, I was on my own for a couple of years and then I started 2x2 two two construction. It's a family business, so I've got some family members involved in that. And we each have pretty much our, our own specialty and that fo- allows us to focus on what we're good at. So there's certain portions where we can take care of the finance, I take care of the project management, we have somebody that does scheduling, site supervision and even estimating.
1: So I gotta ask you Kyle, where did you get this information? or Was it a trial and error?
0: It was a combination of trial and error, reading, studying. At the time when I first started, there wasn't as much information, especially YouTube. YouTube's like really big now and the amount of information you can learn. Just three years ago when I started This, I actually went to George Brown, graduated in 2013, building renovations course. Do you like it? It was, it was a great course. I definitely learned a lot, but the hands-on experience doesn't even come.
1: It's from the 1901.
0: The hands-on experience is so much (laughs) better than actually going to school. If you can just learn under somebody that's got the experience. So I was about maybe five or six years out of school and I did my first shower renovation. I was so ignorant that I thought, yes, I knew that you can pull off the tile, pull off the drywall. I thought you can just swap out the shower fixture, just take it out, put it back on. But no, you have to go down to the, the hot and uh, cold supply Supplies, yeah. and then just redo it.
1: They didn't teach you that in school?
0: They didn't really teach us that.
1: Okay. All right.
0: I thought it was just a matter of you just take off the fixture and just put it back on.
1: There's some faucet shower faucet valves that you can do that now so you can leave the body and then you just take out the cartridge and replace it with a new cartridge some of them are offering that but the thing is that i find clients when they're doing a a renovation they just want to move everything they want to add a niche and they want to add more space and they want to move a wall and all of a sudden, that shower valve is not in the right spot anymore so you're going to be cutting the supplies and moving it At that point,
0: unless you're doing those, I guess, cookie cutter bathrooms, like five by seven, just uh, replacing the tub, replacing the tile, toilet, vanity, flooring, et cetera.
1: So all the fine. So you you basically were looking at trial and error. You were looking at what was working, what you had in your circle, what was and and what was lacking. And then you were trying to figure out how to fill those voids and then go from there.
0: I definitely for the first few years definitely did not make that much money. It was a lot of trial and error. One thing that I didn't do is reach out to people that had experience because I was very shy and I'm starting to not be as shy and starting to be more open, like reaching out to you to come on this podcast to talk about some of this stuff.
1: What was the concern, Kyle, for reaching out to somebody that they were just going to dismiss you?
0: Yes. And I don't know. Okay. it's uh, somewhat.
1: I mean, I'm always curious because the thing is, I've always said that construction is last to adopt. So they don't embrace new tech as much or as quickly as other industries. But what I do find is that the good people in the construction industry will actually lend an ear and listen to people that reach out. So it's like everybody I know, if someone reaches out and sends them a DM or sends them an email or something like that, they actually get back to them, and they'll they'll ask them, you know, to answer the question if they send it to them. That's what's that's what I love about the industry. I can only speak for the Canadian people that have been on the show. Um, I'm assuming that it's the same in the, in the, the states as well. But it's definitely a lot of guys listening outside of North America that are like that. They like sharing. Like a lot of people like sharing what they've learned.
0: Yeah, I definitely like sharing. Whenever somebody asks me questions, I'm happy to answer them because it's something that I'm passionate about. something that you're passionate about and other people in the industry are passionate about that they like talking about.
1: It. So where do you want to start, Kyle? Like I know that uh, you, you made some notes, which is great. I wish all of our guests would do this, man. Like this is like makes my life a lot easier. But uh, where do you want to start? You want to start? Let's start with the accounting the, ba- the paperwork, the yeah, numbers. So we
0: can we can start there. So with uh, accounting, there's no reason to do things the old fashioned way. We have technology. We have technology. So let's uh, take advantage of it. Yep. So that all starts with the accounting software and having cloud-based accounting software, you can have access to it on your phone, on your computer, essentially from wherever. And it just makes your life easier and your profit better. Sending out quotes, definitely do that in a timely manner. And if you're gonna be late with timelines, just let the client know, they understand. But it's all about- Information. Communication. Yep, Communication is number one and a lot of People in this industry don't have good communication. That just separates you from other people.
1: What were you doing in the beginning, Kyle, like in the very first year of construction? Were you doing what everybody else was doing? We were just piling all this stuff together and then organizing at the end of the month, the end of the year?
0: Essentially, yeah. It was mostly at the end of the year, and then you're left with a stack of receipts, like a foot high. A
1: nightmare, yeah. And then then you got into this. How recently did you get into using a cloud-based software?
0: I got into it maybe second, third year of business. Okay. Uh, but even still, I, I still wasn't really utilizing it as much as I should have been. So it's just about making sure that you're disciplined about it. Doing it either every month or every week is ideal because then you can sort of... It's going to go into another point of mine, cash flow projections. Yeah. Cash flow projections is essentially the most important thing for, for any business. So you know if you're going to be running dry and how can you fix those problems or how
1: can you prevent them anticipate what's going to happen even better yet have somebody committed to that section so you can focus on other things so then they can just basically give you the cliff notes of what's going on do you want to share which software you're using
0: uh right now we're using quickbooks okay which i assume most people are using
1: okay no, a lot of people are using third party. They're using uh, apps or software that was designed specifically. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of positive people talk about Builder Trend or, or Procore or things like that. It's just too big for smaller businesses. That makes so sense. So we're
0: actually using Builder Trend. It integrates with QuickBooks, but okay. the integration is not that great.
1: Yeah, that's where there's a bit of headache, right? So it becomes a little, it's great when, I mean, when they were doing the pitch, it's great for if you've got 17 or 20 jobs on the go. But I mean, if you're more of a custom and you're doing fewer, smaller, I don't know how good it is for that.
0: So we use Buildertrend mostly for finish selections and project management and just sort of internal communication, keeping everything in one spot.
1: All right. So sending the quotes out, then you're invoicing, you're basically taking care of all the cash flow. So then it doesn't affect your cash flow. You actually know where everything's going at that point.
0: Yeah, so definitely starting out, I did not invoice on time. And we see that from a lot of subtrades that I have one subtrade that hasn't invoiced me in probably like three months.
1: (laughs) I know they'll get to it when they get to it, when they find that one weekend day to do it, to do all of them at the same time. Meanwhile, they let it go for I have heard of guys lapsing it for a whole year. Then you're doing the books and you're trying to close everything for that year. And they didn't submit anything. So all of a sudden, now you can't get paid because we closed the job on this.
0: And it's like, what do you do? Do you remind them? If so, how many times do you remind them? Friendly
1: reminders. I mean, see, that's where it depends on how big you start getting. Because then eventually you're going to have to hire a person to handle all this. You can't, as a GC, you can't be the person day to day. This can't be on your, your, your brain all the time. Like it has to be there as part of the business, but it can't be the priority. You actually have a client to take care of, you've got a scope to take care of, you got trades to deal with, you got a lot of work already on the plate. So, I mean, this is gonna eventually get to a certain point where it has to be handed off to somebody else.
0: So going on to the next point, receipts, definitely taking care of your receipts, making sure that you put them into the software. And it's great for having an electronic copy because if you ever get audited by the CRA, everything's Mm -hmm. right there. Just general reference for job costing for any future jobs. And even if you have to return items, if you have extra lumber that you have to return with the price of lumber, of course, you're going to want to return it, not just have it sit there and uh, get warped. And then warranty on items. If you ever have to get it replaced in the past, when I was first starting out, there was definitely times where I couldn't find receipts and I couldn't get these items replaced. And I just had to, pay for it out of my pocket and that definitely affects your of profit profit.
1: yeah actually i just want to backtrack one little bit cra i just want everybody to know that if you're in construction odds are good you're going to get audited one day
0: i got audited
1: (laughs) i'm just saying odds are very good you will get audited so for the american listeners everybody outside of canada cra is canadian revenue agency agency or associate no agency agency yeah and uh, so there are tax man that's what it is you will get audited so you might as well just get prepared for it and find a good accountant for yourself to handle it because they CRA is just people they're just digging around your books to look for problems uh to see if there's some voids and then see if you have to pay them money your objective is to prove that everything's legit and there are no voids and you don't have to pay so it's two different groups on two different sides of the fence But just be prepared for it. Don't freak out about it. But it's expected. It will happen to you. All the more reason to keep everything organized, like you said.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, a red flag for the CRA is when you don't file the taxes. Oh, yeah. That's when they start looking into you. If you file your taxes, everything's up to date. They're pretty much, for the most part, going to leave you alone, other than the random... Audit here or there
1: so yeah you bring up a good point with the warranty and then uh, sales orders to keep track of what has been billed and paid uh, which is always aware of so as per job
0: yeah so that's pretty much to the uh, the client end. you have a sales order and then you invoice from the sales order so for example whatever your deposit is let's call it 10% then you know 90% is still outstanding and uh, left to invoice and then on the opposite end you have the purchase orders So purchase orders are to sub-trades. So you get estimates and bids from the sub-trades. You issue them a purchase order. And then as they invoice you throughout the project, you assign it to that purchase order to know how much that you've paid them. Yep. Because there have been times in my experience where a trade has maybe sent the same invoice twice. And especially if you have an external accountant and you're not doing the accounting and the bookkeeping yourself... It's hard to keep track without a purchase order. For sure. All right. So that's
1: pretty much accounting there. Is it running smooth for you right now these days? Or are there any other little hiccups that you're seeing that you want us to still evolve from?
0: It's definitely a lot better than it uh, used to be over pretty much the last year. It's been a lot smoother. We got a good process down. And it's because also we're keeping our books up to date every single week. How many jobs you got going on right now? Right now, we have four. We have... Uh, another one starting in a couple weeks and then another one a couple weeks after that.
1: So you've got more than enough to create more than enough paperwork.
0: It's pretty much a full time job yeah. doing accounting.
1: Yeah. So is there anybody there's somebody in the business that's actually handling that? Yeah. OK. Not your responsibility anymore. No. OK. So now let's move on to payment schedules. You know, the younger guys are going to love this. Even the older guys might pay attention to this, too.
0: Payment schedules. This is a really big thing. Especially when I was starting out, I didn't take any deposits. And then slowly I started taking more and more of a deposit. Now we're taking approximately 30% deposits. So that 30% is to cover material because six to eight weeks before we start the project is all pre-construction. If you make sure that everything's planned out before you start construction, construction will go... Smoothly or as smooth as it can. There's always things that that come up in the day to day. It's
1: construction. I want to ask you, Kyle. Is um, what was the reason why you didn't take deposits in the beginning? Because out of all the guests that I've spoken with, my good buddy there, bro, what's going on there, man? From Crewman Group, taha, he never takes deposits, man. He says that he wants to just set a standard where. The client is driving the boat at the very beginning and give them the trust and going but he doesn't take any money at all even during these really weird times that are going on what was your reason why you didn't take any deposits
0: i think i was scared nervous thinking that maybe i won't get the job or maybe they won't give me a deposit so i never really asked for it but as things evolved i realized you have to take deposits you're paying material you're paying for for labor especially if you have employees it's not so bad if it's your labor obviously you have to get paid for it but when you have external expenses that's when you really need a deposit for yep okay and also a client they should be financing the project it's their project you shouldn't have to finance it for them well i mean
1: the other thing that ty from nickel general he's actually was kind enough to let me say this he actually gets all of his checks for the entire job at the start of the job Postdated, all ready to go as per schedule as per deliverables and then as the scope of work is being accomplished he confirms the depositing of that check it just shows the clients are 100 percent into the project they're committed to it now you as a contractor have to deliver it i actually like that i think it's a good model i think it works uh he's never had a problem with a client as a result
0: My only thing with that is how would it work if, let's say, you're ahead schedule, you're behind schedule. I guess if you're behind schedule, if it's post-dated.
1: Back to communication. So everybody's still being kept in the loop. So whatever. We're in construction. The magic word of change comes up all the time. And uh, so all of a sudden, they ask for an extra. They ask for a change, which is going to affect the timeline, affect the scope, affect everything. So that will push the next draw, so to speak. So you have to all just be in communicating at the same time. So the moment they ask for that change, then you got to adjust the schedule, let them know this might add a week, which means that one check will be post a week and then we'll push it in once that's done. But then you do the change, you get paid for the change 100%, do the change and then move back onto the schedule.
0: I absolutely hate change orders. They You're in construction, man. I know. They <laughs> You're in construction. They affect the project timeline so significantly. A lot of clients think that, they're going to make all these changes. It's going to be the same timeline, No, which is it's not the way. case.
1: I have yet to meet the unicorn. There's no such thing as a construction job project that didn't have a single change. That's impossible.
0: Same here. There's always been a client requested change on every single project that I've done.
1: I've done a job where every single line was changed. Every single line was changed. That's, That's it. That's crazy. It was just that's it and and so i mean like there's no unicorn out there so if you're in construction as much as you hate it you got to still embrace it you really do have to embrace it and just figure out the best easiest way to do it and it's a thousand percent paid in full a hundred percent before the change actually starts working
0: that's it i definitely learned that lesson so we we have change orders paid a hundred percent in full no matter the dollar size because afterwards It's always a negotiation with the client on getting paid for that change order. Exactly. That's why you pay it then. It doesn't sting as much at the end. So one way we try to mitigate uh, changes is having all the finished selections picked out from the client before they start the project. So if we have all the finished selections picked out, we get them ordered, we get them delivered, store them in our warehouse Yes, they still do make changes sometimes, but it's just a way to try to prevent them from making those changes if the finished selection is already purchased.
1: I've had a client change the range two weeks before it was supposed to be installed. So cabinets are done. Countertops have been measured as per the original spec of appliance, and then he decides to change the model. He doesn't want that model anymore. So he pays the fee for canceling that and he purchases the upgrade new one where all of a sudden we had to modify and change cabinetry and remeasure for the countertops. So they will change right up until whenever. It's their house. They can change all they want as long as clients understand that you bring the change, we'll bring the change order and you pay for it. That's it. It's as simple as that.
0: That's so- crazy. I've never had a change that late in the stage where you're already doing cabinets because especially cabinets they take six to eight weeks sometimes even 12 weeks yeah
1: 1980 uh these days man it's like four months it's insane right now what's going on turnaround on cabinetry i
0: think it also depends on if they're custom semi-custom yeah definitely custom is is at least uh 12 weeks
1: uh you got here on their payment schedules giving your material suppliers deposits uh sometimes trades are also required for deposits yeah, a lot of guys have their great relationships. I mean, so they build it up that way, but they're also I'm finding a lot of trades subs. The you know the, the the top three, HVAC, plumbing, and electrical, they're just stocking up, man. They just go in and give me, ten thousand pot lights. You just give me ten thousand elbows. Give me ten whatever. They're just stocking up because they know that this stuff is all being fed out. It's just gonna go, and it saves its efficiency at that point, right?
0: and they could probably get better prices in uh,
1: 100%, for sure you can, yeah.
0: Lumber, lumber is definitely a big one. Long lead times, it's more for the uh, engineered wood products. So we have to give deposits on that to because they take anywhere from two to three months right now. For just standard nominal lumber, 2x4s, two, 2 by 6 plywood, they won't even take a deposit to hold the pricing anymore. They used to, maybe about six, eight months ago, we had suppliers that would do that. Not anymore.
1: They're not doing it at all, eh? No. I mean, I'm just noting on any quotes that I'm submitting. I'm just noting it. It's just I'm not I'm not committed to this price until we actually start. And then we're going to see what market value is. It's like almost what's the price of the fish of the day. That's all it is, man. You so we actually away.
0: started switching lumber over to an allowance item.
1: Okay. For we, that very reason.
0: Exactly. December, before, before the new year, lumber was back down at reasonable le- levels. Now, it's double, triple in just a couple months.
1: Mark my words, man, $14 two by four coming by the summer.
0: I know it. So we actually had a situation with one of our suppliers with the lumber. We gave a deposit on, I think it was LVLs for a laneway house. We got stuck in the winter with the foundation, neighboring garage didn't go down all the way four feet. So then we had to switch over to helical piles. And then just getting in a concrete crew through the winter was extremely difficult. Because nobody wants to work in the cold. And there, I just, I don't know, I just found this out, but there's an aggregate strike going on. Really?
1: Yeah. There's an aggregate strike going on. That's all I got to say. And concrete, what's inside concrete? Aggregate. Yeah. So there, uh, expect delays. There's actually quite a bit. Of delays going on if you're expecting stone slingers, if you're expecting concrete, if you're expecting a bunch of stuff.
0: I actually need some gravel next week, so I should put in that order. Just
1: put an order in and find out. I just know through an insider person that I know, uh, he was just giving me a heads up, and I was like, dude, I I haven't even paid attention to this. I don't see it on the radar because everything else is going on in the world. But he's like, yeah, there is a strike going on right now. They're doing blockades on certain uh, uh, resources, certain places. Uh, They're slowing things down. Uh, is what they're doing because they want higher pay. It's great that everybody wants higher pay when the inflation is going through the roof right now. And I get it, it's so expensive that all this increase in price in gas and diesel, the trucks, it's costing them X more just to run those trucks. I totally understand it. So they want to cover all that stuff. So everybody who didn't know that there's a strike going on, there's a strike going on here in Ontario is what's going on. So wow.
0: yeah, okay, moving on. And then just back to that lumber story for a second. We Because we were delayed on that laneway house they actually gave away our lumber. And then we were scrambling last minute to find LVLs, find dense glass. Luckily, we found it and we were able to, to keep going. But then it, if we weren't able to find it, then I would have to reschedule my frame or essentially reschedule everybody down the line. Holy cow.
1: You didn't have a deposit on it because it was just dimensional lumber? Uh, or you did have the a LVLs,
0: We did have a deposit. But they still gave it away? They gave it away. Come and on. then we had to pay double the price. But that's not fair. What can we do? they have the monopoly
1: on it i know but if you
0: put a a deposit on it that's not fair like you've it's like so we put the deposit on it about six months ago and because we got stuck through the winter on the project they would only hold it so long what i was pissed about is that they didn't tell us that they gave away our lumber so when you went to go ready to deliver no we don't have it they gave half of our lvl's the other half they gave away i didn't know until i found out (sighs) i had to ask about it that sucks man how many laneway homes have you done so we've completed two in their entirety. Yep. Uh, we have three ongoing right now. And in Toronto area?
1: Or are you doing them elsewhere? All Toronto. All Toronto?
0: So we have two pockets, West End and East End. Okay. We're pretty much focusing just on Toronto right now.
1: Nice, nice. Oh, I, I, I love the laneway houses,
0: man. They're great. So that takes care of payment schedules? Or no? Final payment. So this is one thing I learned. I think I heard it in a podcast or reading a book or something. If The client does in your contract put if the client doesn't pay within five business days, the warranty on the whole project is void. That'll definitely get them to give you that final payment because there's a lot of times where they try to hold that back and try to negotiate that final payment with you.
1: A hundred percent, but I've never seen it phrased that way where it's like if you don't pay us a final payment, then the warranty is void. And I kind of like that. Because it just gets them to understand that everything's been done, you've done a walkthrough, you signed off, it's all work is good, time to pay. So what's the purpose? There's no, there's, no even, there's no reason to extend it five days. The last day is coming up, you let them know you guys are ready to move in. They've already scheduled all the designer elements, all the furnishings. They've already scheduled all those deliveries, so they already are well aware of that. So basically the job is done at that point. And if they're not paying you, it's because they don't want to pay you, and that's another reason. But uh, to discuss things. But actually, I like that it voids the warranty if you don't so get paid. So we do
0: our substantial completion walkthrough, essentially our PDI with the client. Yeah. So we'll try to do our punch list before we do the walkthrough with the client. we we'll do the walkthrough with the client. Yeah. Ideally, you want it no more than 10, 15 items, hopefully less. And then you finish those items. And then there's really no excuse on why they shouldn't pay because everything's done. They've already signed off on everything.
1: Do you When you run the contract through the clients, how have clients been reacting to that one point? Do they, okay, that's interesting. We like it. We're good. We'll sign off on it.
0: I've actually never had any pushback okay. on it. No one's ever mentioned it. I
1: think it's 100% fair. I think it's just. I think it's right. I think that client should respect that. I like that one.
0: Contracts. Let's have a lot of fun and discuss contracts. Contracts are definitely an evolving process. I'm sure everybody evolves their contracts over the years based on situations that come up. So there's definitely some uh, things that are common throughout the projects, which we call general stipulations. So any extra drywall work or patching, specialty tile work. A lot of homeowners don't realize, herringbone, hexagon, mosaic tile, Tile installers, they, close, they charge close to double the price versus a standard tile, like maybe a 12 by 24 uh, stack pattern or, or 50% split.
1: I've yet to meet a client who's not surprised the moment that they, you tell them that there's additional fees when you want to brick pattern, herringbone pattern, backsplash. You know whatever you just want to do inlay or something like that they're always surprised that there's extra costs attached to that and i'm like there's always extra costs. if you want it the cheapest way stack it no that doesn't look good right but uh, yeah you're right you got to let them know all about that
0: and that also goes back to why we try to have those finished selections picked out before construction so if they pick a specialty tile we can let them know far in advance about that
1: what do you mean by out of level plum in renovations
0: so a lot of times working with renovations, there's going to be things that are like floors out of level, walls out of plumb. You can try to straighten, level them up as best as you can, but it's never going to be 100%. You can try to go for flat, but in most cases, you won't get 100% level.
1: You'll get true. You'll get you have to go depending on this, the home itself. Sometimes you can't fight it because by the time you fight it, you're going to have a step at the doorway or the entryway or something Exactly, like that. It'll create more problems at that time. So now you just got to let everybody know. When your kids have their roller skates on or the roller blades on, they're just going to freewheeling go down depending on the slope. Existing electrical wiring not done properly. So I basically you're assessing what's going on already before you guys are starting.
0: Even when we start after demo, there's... Sometimes there's going to be hidden junction boxes there that you're going to have to get the electrician to fix. And part of the reason why we tell all the clients to leave a 10% contingency on top of the contract price, stuff like that, out of plumber level conditions, if they decide that they want to fix it, there's electrical wiring not done properly, asbestos, that's a big one. If you have asbestos ducts, obviously you have to get the plaster tested before you do any work, but there could be even... Multiple layers of floor. There could be nine by nine asbestos tile as well. Lead
1: in the paint. And you can't mechanically cut demo and airborne lead paint because that's as dangerous as asbestos. I would also say that to your clients, tell them that the moment we find it, now that we're permitted and we have inspectors coming through, we have to fix it. We can't just leave an open junction box there. We have to actually chase it, bring it back, and take that junction box out or leave an access pen at that point they'll never want an excess panel that's just a fact but yeah I mean you can find all the kinds of stuff I've gone through the lead pain I've gone through the asbestos I've gone through Christmas tree of octagon boxes like you know like you're thinking MMA's in the ceiling there it's just insane how much octagon is going on in there man so you just gotta let the clients know that sure this might jump the price electrician will give you a price plumber will give you a price HVAC will give you a price but you're gonna see some dramatic because we found what you bought you guys didn't see this when you bought the house and you definitely didn't see it as an inspector going through the house. So now we're discovering it because you're renovating everything.
0: And then on top of that, you're going to have structural issues. 100%. So with the older homes, we try to factor in some things that we know are going to happen around a stairwell. You know that there's no, not going to be any hangers. So just pricing to put the hangers, you know, that there's going to be some notch joists. Yep. So you're definitely going to have to do some sistering joister. So we try to, Give the client an idea of what the unforeseens may be.
1: Are you we, giving yourself a little bit of an allowance on that based on the original scope of when you're walking through and you're just
0: uh, on our job? end? Yes. Yeah.
1: Just it, in case, because you don't want exactly. to go back to the client going, "I found one notch joist. I have to change it. Here's the cost of one joist. You don't want to do that, yeah. Because that makes a no sense. And
0: there's going to be yeah. half a dozen joists you have to sister. Of course. And then typically for renovations post demo. There's not really any unforeseens after that. And same thing with new builds. After the foundation, after that, it's pretty much straightforward from there.
1: Change orders. Your favorite, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like embrace the change. That's all I'm saying. All the just...
0: time. Every single job. Always yeah. change orders from the clients. Yeah. Just embrace it, man. So they typically add anywhere from 2 to 5% above the contract price. Sometimes more.
1: I'd say more. I'd say you're closer to 10 in my opinion. Even worse than that.
0: Problem is that when you think it also depends on the size of the job.
1: Yeah, the size, the scope of the job. But the problem is that when you start bringing things right back to the bones, you see opportunities. You could just be that mumbling GC on the job site saying, you know, if it was my house, is what I would do, right? And what was that? What did you say? What was that? I was just saying, if it was my house, I would maybe do this. Well, that's an interesting idea. So then you just keep on adding these ideas. You're not doing it maliciously. You're just doing it because you're a contractor and you're hamster wheel is spinning and you're thinking here's a great opportunity for this i paid attention to my client i pay attention to the family dynamic here's some suggestions but all of a sudden grocery cart i went in to get a bag of milk and i came out with a grocery cart full of groceries and it's like the 200 hundred dollar bill so i could definitely i've always seen that two to five percent go to ten percent if not more it's too many opportunities to actually add So much stuff.
0: So what we try to do is there's still going to be change orders after mechanicals, but we try to give the clients every opportunity in the framing stage, the mechanical stage. We do walkthroughs with them, make sure that they're happy with it. If there's any changes, we tell them now's the time because if you do decide to make changes later, it's going to cost you way more than it's going to cost now.
1: Wouldn't it be funny to do a video where you're literally having dozens and dozens of different contractors from all over the world speaking different languages in the exact same scenario and just seeing the inflections of certain words about things that have to happen while you're doing it. So you got the exact same problem being handled on a job site. It's just the only difference is the actual language is different, but I bet you any money, the body posture and the actual inflections will be very similar to every contractor from here to the States, to Europe, to every European country, to Asia, to Australia, we're all acting the exact same. We all have those conversations. We're all been in those scenarios where we're talking to the client and we're presenting these ideas or presenting our scope. be interesting to see if someone did that video like that.
0: Yeah, that's pretty remarkable <laughs> how anywhere in the world, situations like this, everybody sort of figured it out and came to the same conclusion. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's where I was going with it. It's like there, there is
0: a finish line to it. Where are we at now? Scopes of work. With scopes, you definitely want to be as detailed as possible. I know it takes a little bit of extra time, but you got to cover your ass. If it's not in the scope, it's not priced.
1: I like that. CYA. Cover your ass. CYA. Um, it's true. You're not always going to remember everything. That's the thing. You might forget one thing. I mean, there was a job I time, one time I did, and I totally forgot a tile footage just for one room. Completely. The whole floor. Clients were nice enough that I found the fault and they said, no, that's fine. Let's let us know. And then they were fine with it. But if they were a bad client, they could have said, no, screw you. This is the price. This is what we agreed. But it's easy to, to forget one thing, but it's always good. You know what? Get a fresh pair of eyes to go through the quote and just make sure that they go through everything and see if they covered everything that they covered, right?
0: Well, it's also nice in the early stages, even before you sign the contract. Like you said, client's going through the, the quote. So we have a check. We have our estimator. Go through the drawings come up with a scope i'll go through the scope then the client will go through the scope there could be things that the client's going to catch that we don't catch so if we miss something in the drawings that's on us i would say that the drawings always take precedence over the scope of work yep. in my opinion yep. if there's ever a discrepancy refer to the drawings
1: it's funny architects still miss stuff too engineers sometimes miss stuff too i mean Like things are missed, right? But that's construction. We're problem solvers. You get on the scenario there, you figure out what was missed, and you figure out what's the solution. That's construction.
0: The other thing is that you have to spec what's included, but also what's not included. Yep. Because there's certain times where clients might expect things, and they just think, oh, it should be included. But if you have it as an item that's not included, it's very clear, black and white. Well, they just
1: assume. They're just making these assumptions that it's all included. But, yeah, you just you have that those last few pages where you're just noting key details. This is not included. This is not included. And just make a note of it so then they're aware of it. That's all it is.
0: Allowances. So, okay. Allowances are a big one. When I was first starting out, I didn't really understand the concept of allowances and how they worked. So, essentially, for many different things plumbing fixtures, electrical fixtures, accessories, windows and doors, tile flooring, lumber now, glass. I actually just got a note from a couple glass suppliers that up 10-15%. Door hardware, cabinets. And then for trim, you don't necessarily have to have a number allowance to it, but you can just have maybe three or four different options of what your standard trim is.
1: Well, I mean, trim packages are all relatively around the same ballpark. If you're choosing a certain size the only thing that's dramatically different if it's got more profiles in each one that's it but we live in Toronto here which is the basic step bevel that's more or less the go to to all blind clients out there that just choose that one flat stock and step bevel and even Brenlo's got their two-step bevel they're all roughly about the same price point
0: exactly right
1: so you can show your client three four different versions but they're all in the same kind of class price-wise
0: Have you ever done uh, Colonial recently? I didn't do
1: Colonial. I did that other one, um, uh, Ornamental. Is it Ornamental? I think it is Uh, with the the back bend, with a radius back bend on it.
0: Colonial is that standard one that all the subdivision builders do, six panel doors. I honestly hate it.
1: It's an ugly looking profile, in my opinion. It's actually just a dumbed down version of what it really should be and what it's attached to the name of it but they just mass produced it to make it look a certain way and then you get that whatever two and a half two and a quarter width on the casing and then you've got the baseboard which is three and a half that's where the colonial finger joints start and then it can kind of bump up to three with a back end or you know back bend right so it's just yeah i'm not a fan of it trust me but i also hate it as much as i hate the step bevel that's just me
0: so a standard trim package for us is three and a half casing five and a half baseboard and it just goes up from there
1: Nice. So it's nice to have just, just like you can create your own allowance section. Just figure out what you want to throw in there and just have it all in there. You'd be amazed. I know you got accessories here for your bathroom applications: towel bar, towel, pa- toilet paper holders, mirrors. You'd be amazed how many clients just assume that it just magically comes free in the toilet box or it comes free in the vanity box. And I'm like, no, these are all accessories. These are all extra. Soap dishes I've had conversations with, you know, like whatever. towel soap dishes. Yeah. Like, That's okay. a new one. I'm like, okay, you want a soap dish? Sure, whatever. That's got nothing to do with the budget here. I never priced out a soap dish, but robe hooks. Robe hooks are huge. Constantly. Well, where am I going to put? Hang- well, you want a robe hook? Here it is. Which one do you want? What's the cost? Okay, sure.
0: Typically, just- electrical fixtures and accessories we, we leave out, and then we just say client-supplied item
1: yeah i normally just leave in the recess lights and then all of a sudden the finish fixtures certain rooms it's them as per hourly rate right because we don't know how many crystals there are in there we don't know how many pieces there are so it's every electrician i know is strictly open the box it's an hourly rate you want us to put it together we'll put it together if you want to put it together it's up to you but
0: for the more complicated light fixtures
1: (laughs) They're insane because you could have like a thousand pieces, man. That's going to take an electrician how long to do that. Like it's just only fair that they charge you by the hour because they're trying to figure out how to put it together. Most of the time they're doing it for the very first time too. That's true. Right.
0: Job costing, Kyle. Types of job costing. So for us, we focus pretty much on fixed price and lump sum. I don't really have much experience with cost plus or even Guaranteed maximum price, that just scares me. I've never heard of guaranteed maximum price. It's essentially you have like a maximum price that you agree upon with the with the homeowner. You can't exceed that. I don't know too much detail about that. How do you do your stuff? Is it fixed price? Is it cost plus? It's
1: cost plus because I just figure out what you want and then I just figure out what it's going to cost. That's all it is, right?
0: So you have specific line items for every single trade. So do you present the homeowner with options of maybe two or three different trades
1: what i do is i present so when i'm pricing it out i choose my first string so i look at the scope i look at the job and i look at the pool of people that i want to work with or i think that would be best suited for this project and i go here's my first string and these are the numbers that i'm presenting when i speak with the clients i know that other trades other contractors other gcs other businesses are like committed to submitting three quotes and then making their recommendation based on that and i am like okay i kind of like that and i kind of don't like it because now one person is going to get the job the other two are not the other two are just giving you a price and then you're kind of just comparing apples and apples but i think that's where experience comes in you worked with so many people so many times and you're just getting an idea you're thinking that this is the right one so i submit the numbers and then i have a conversation with the clients and i just go this is where i'm at if you guys are thinking that this particular trade is too high then i'll go back at that time if i start becoming the first prospect of getting the job i'll go back and i'll be like listen i'll have a conversation with you that trade and i'll just say listen we're a little tight on the budget here what can we do how can we figure it out if they don't want to do the job then it's up to them and then i move on and i'll work with somebody else and i'll get another price right right Have you assume- submitted you've submitted three or four different bids on online items
0: sometimes like In our BuilderTrend software, we have a vendor list in there of our standard vendors. After pretty much we sign the job with the client, in the planning phase, we'll have a couple of our, maybe three or four of our vendors for each trade uh, price it out. We don't always go with the, the lowest price. Obviously, sometimes we have to meet budgets, but we try to work with trades that we're familiar with, that we know their quality of work. And in my experience, you can go with the lower trade. It's it's more for people that you haven't used before. But then you end up having to redo it, pay the higher price, and then you're spending more than you would have originally. I was
1: just going to say that is that with your experience working more and more on jobs as a GC with different trades, you also are not just looking at their price. You're looking at their service and you're figuring out, Well, this person's going to fit me into the schedule. They're going to get the job done on time. They're going to deliver what they need. They're 10% more. Is it worth paying that extra 10% to keep the job on track? Or am I better off going with somebody else that's going to be 10% cheaper, but may not get the job started right on time, may not finish it right on time? So there's a domino effect attached to that. So I balance both of them, price and service.
0: Exactly. And we do job costing so at the end of every project we see or even throughout the project we have our what our budget is and what we paid for it so then we transfer that to another spreadsheet and then we update our pricing for future jobs so for the trades that we like working with we base our future quotes based on their current pricing we
1: all do that man that's that's the beauty of having relationships with so many tradespeople that you get a sense of I could almost walk through a job and I could already get a really rough ballpark. I don't want to let the clients know, but I can get a really good rough ballpark what this is basically going to cost this particular line item, this particular trade based on working with trades that I trust.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: And that's value. That's value and experience. Right. So that's why I was saying it's the, it's the cost and service balance. Right
0: similar to the comparing budget versus actual after every job figuring out how much profit you made gross profit it's difficult to calculate net profit on a job per job basis it's more like on a quarterly or a yearly basis at least in my experience is very difficult to calculate net profit on a job per job basis what are
1: you guys hitting at i know i've spoken to so many people and i'm like you want to live around 21 22 profit and, and is that where you're at? Is that where other guys are at that you're hearing? Or are they looking at more aggressive and trying to get more out of
0: it? We're coming to around those numbers. There's obviously mistakes that we make that we have to eat the cost. We're charging a markup anywhere from like 30 to 35%, which gives you a gross of like between 23 and, and 25%.
1: So you're charging a markup on the old job or on certain line
0: items? On pretty much every, every line item. Okay. So we just, whatever our job costs are, we charge our markup on top of that. Yeah. And then that's how we come up with our gross profit. But there's usually a couple of percentage points here or there uh, where you make mistakes. You might have to redo some stuff uh, or you just didn't account for something. Yep. And then you just account for it for the next one and hopefully you can increase that that margin for the next one.
1: And the last thing you want to do is go back to the client and have these conversations saying I missed or something happened or whatever because it, just, it starts to change the dynamic of exactly. what's going on. So if you can price it a certain way where you can eat some of those and hopefully you don't have a lot of those, then you actually work out to be good at the very end of it when you do a balance.
0: And the trades love coming back to you for more money, but then it's like, how can I go back to the client for this?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of trades are forgetting that, sure, you come to me, guess what? I can't go to them. So this ask is stopping at me, which basically means if we agree, it's coming out of my pocket, not coming out of the client's pocket. But I'm trying to balance it with other things. So maybe I made a little bit more on this other line item so I can absorb. That's the balancing act as a GC. That's just how it is, man. Updating price lists. So you guys constantly in in today's volatile market, you guys are constantly looking at it and, and trying to figure out where it's going. It's we're going? not
0: going super detailed like the price of a two by four we're not going that detailed.
1: no 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 but lumber we're, package and
0: yeah like lumber for example we'll figure out an approximate per square foot rate. yeah for a job especially with we do a lot of laneway houses so they're all around the same uh square footage usually somewhere around anywhere from 900 to 1200 square feet yeah so we have an idea of where that's coming in and We just, again, take our old estimate uh, that's maybe a few few weeks old or even we just got it and then apply it to the next job. Nice. All right, let's talk about employees,
1: costs. You don't do subtrades at all? Or are you doing subtrades?
0: We do pretty much all subtrades.
1: Okay, all right. So when I I just, I'm looking at employees, I thought you were actually just focused on employees. A lot of guys are always asked me, you employee guy, you subtrade guy, you employee guy? I've always been a subtrade guy.
0: When I used to be in framing... As a subtrade, obviously you gotta have employees. So that's where essentially this is coming from. So I learned a lot from that experience. In this industry, it's more hourly wage versus salary. But the problem with hourly wage sometimes is if you don't have work for them, they might end up leaving. And then sometimes you might have to pay to keep them around. So it's uh fine balance, Some
1: nice little balancing act What's going on right I actually don't know
0: I don't know any trades at all
1: that are on salary Well I guess there's certain sub trades That you would hire They give you scope And so basically if it takes them 5 days Or it takes them 10 days That number is still magically the same So that's technically a salary That they're being paid So
0: we have a uh, site supervisor We pay salary Okay. For that role on Have guys of-
1: been asking for more money With this gas thing going on
0: well, right now we just have one employee on payroll, so yeah. hasn't asked for more money for gas because we essentially pay for his gas. We, have, we give him a credit card to pay for that because sometimes he could be driving 200 kilometers yeah. from one end to the other end to yeah. going north to where our office is located because we do a lot of work in Toronto. Picking up stuff from suppliers to get a lot of stuff delivered whenever possible definitely makes things more efficient. All the benefits
1: here, so there's all these extra costs that... A lot of clients don't know, but a lot of people in the industry do know, uh, to hire legitimate people, they have to have their WSIB here in, in Canada. Uh, they have to have uh, their own insurance if they're sub-trades. Uh, so they have to take care of, like insurance, basically the way it works is if you do the work, you're fully responsible for it. If you're the GC and you show up on the job site, you didn't do the work and you're just supervising it, you're not responsible for it it's all falling on the person who actually physically did the work. So if there's a failure, if there's a cause, a problem, it's that person. So the thing is that insurance companies or actually clients or anybody is going to ask to make sure that you've got a copy before the work was performed of that certificate. It has to be a valid one and it has to be covering them, right? So all these things are, this is our job, right? So, you know, you got the medical benefits as well. You got to make sure that your employees are all paying their into their CPP. You, if you're employees and you've got payroll and all this other stuff, you got to deal with that. A lot of guys have outfits where they have 20, 30 employees. They've got those monthlies that have to happen, the T4s and all expenses, EI, all that stuff, right? Stat holidays, overtime pay, everything. So, there's, this is where the bookkeeper comes in. This is where the accountant comes in. They take care of all this stuff.
0: Exactly. So, if, if you can figure out all this stuff and figure out a total hourly wage, so for example, if you're paying somebody 30 bucks an hour, it may cost you 40 or 45 bucks an hour with yes. all this stuff on top: yes. the employer matching CPP, WSIB, stat pay. So typically, it's around anywhere from 35 or 25 to 35% on top of their actual hourly wages, yeah, is what it actually costs right,
1: you. For sure. So you've got a tool allowance here as well, or are you guys
0: supplying to certain trades or just to the employees? We don't supply any tools to any sub-trades, okay. but typically, if you have an employee... Sometimes they have their own tools. Sometimes they don't want to use their tools. You have to supply tools. Anyone that works for us, like our site supervisor, he's got a bunch of tools. We tell him, use our tools, because if your tools break, you're going to be disappointed. It's money out of your pocket. Then you're going to be in a bad mood for the rest of the day. And we'd rather you break our tools than you break your tools. Employee turnover.
1: It's true that it can cost thousands of dollars. But the biggest problem right now is trying to find employees, trying to find people to work. Everybody's asking for far too much, providing far too little. um, And there's a turnover. And once they smell that they can get another dollar or two extra somewhere else, they'll just take off and leave. Which is the worst thing you can do because you don't want to leave on a bad note, have a conversation, give the current employer at least a notice whether it's seven days or 14 days, two weeks work, one week work, but just don't leave that person hanging just because you got another job that's going to give you an extra dollar or two.
0: And I've had that happen to me many, many times.
1: Welcome to construction.
0: That's <sighs> why we're trying to focus more on the project management side, mm-hmm. let the sub trades deal with the employees. Mm-hmm. It's also a lot easier to scale your operation as a general contractor by focusing on project management.
1: Are you, uh, in the earlier days, you got you must have gone through quite a bit of interviewing process and met people, and, I mean, what I learned is I know within a few minutes whether or not this is going to work, right? You just meet somebody. It's not that it's a test. I'm not trying to test your construction knowledge. I'm not trying to see that you say that you can do what you can do. It's more about are we going to fit regarding Personalities. are we going to work together do you understand what i'm trying to achieve here do you like i'm giving you an opportunity it's more like that if i can get that sense but if i don't get the sense that you're going to be a team player you're not going to be a part of the objective the overall it makes me a little nervous doesn't matter how good you think you are or how good you are it doesn't matter to me um so i don't know how do you uh, tackle it kyle
0: so it's uh definitely takes experience reading people like you said you'll know within the first few minutes At the beginning, it was definitely very challenging for me. Uh, Now I've gotten to a point where I've gotten fairly good at at reading people, but sometimes you just never know until until you try them out.
1: Very, very true. And then also training, too. So that's also got to factor in. I mean, uh, one thing that you actually missed here, but I guess it's technically part of WSIB, is all the safety training right so there's all that stuff inside there right that's also extra uh and they everybody's got to be up on on that making sure it's all valid current and they know and they're aware uh and especially depending on how many bodies you have i mean you've said here on jobs that you've got 20 to 25 trades per project going on it's a lot of bodies on a site so you got to make sure that everyone is playing fair playing nice playing right and not screwing around and causing problems and uh, magically, you might have a visit from the Ministry of Labor to make sure that everybody is doing all that stuff properly and also safety reps and all kinds of stuff. So just make sure you're aware of all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So after I believe it's five people on site, you have to have a dedicated health yep. and safety rep. Yep. So with our projects, since they're smaller, we try to just do one trade at a time um, and try to limit it to less than five people to avoid having to deal with those extra Measures and putting those in place.
1: Sorry, I just I lost my thought when you said one trade at a time. I just kept thinking about a limousine and Kim Kardashian.
0: But with our <laughs> projects, also they're they're uh, they're small, as and with the laneways and the access and the parking, so it's tough to get multiple trades in there. You got to schedule, but the thing is uh, to get the
1: job done and to get certain things done. I mean, as as nice that we want the construction unicorns out there to work on. The construction utopia and they're the only trade on site to do their work doesn't exist man you're always going to be rubbing elbows with somebody else on the job site so there, there
0: are times that does happen yeah for sure
1: yeah all right cash flow projections man this is going to be interesting
0: yeah so i learned this a few years ago but i didn't start implementing it until last year and
1: where'd you pick it up from
0: i learned from I was renting a storage unit from, from this guy, and he told me all about cash flow projections and the owner of the, the storage unit complex. Nice. So that's where I learned that from. And once you start implementing it, like your business is going to change significantly just to monitor where your cash flow goes. It helps you determine when you can make that next hire. Should you bu- be buying that new tool? And when's the right time if you need to upgrade a company vehicle or add another one? Essentially, you just plug it into the cash flow projection and then it'll tell you if you can or can't afford it. Okay, so let me ask you, Kyle, when should you be buying that new tool? That's a tough question. I think you should try to use whatever you have as long as possible. agree. If you absolutely need that tool, if it will increase your efficiency then just run run the numbers and see if it's gonna if it's gonna pay off if not then you can probably hold off on it yeah
1: i guess it's gonna be the same thing with when can you make that next hire you figure out you know a body on site what they're contributing what they're being paid is it worth it is it gonna make i guess it's just all balancing you gotta look at the numbers and figure out is it worth it otherwise you don't take that next hire you don't buy that next tool the new tool or whatever um when is the uh, time to upgrade the company i mean a lot of guys i know they're leasing right so they get stuck in either two or three year, sometimes five year leases of vans or pickup trucks or whatever run its course man like as politely as possible in my opinion sales guys are reaching out all the time they're reaching out Go listen we got a deal right here give up your truck right now give it to me how many kilometers you got i'll take it i got somebody who's gonna buy it ignore them man like just keep on driving the truck unless you want to start having that's an increase in payment any new truck's going to be an increase in payment
0: so when i first started i really wanted that brand new truck i got it terrible decision and then after that i had i got a like a brand new f-150 and after i think it was like a two-year lease i bought it out a couple years after that i decided to just sell it and just get a two thousand dollar beater truck especially if you're using it for construction and work, don't really need that nice new truck. It's all for the gram. It's all for the gram. Exactly. <laughs> what are you driving these days? I'm actually driving a
1: Honda Civic. Okay, because you're more managerial, man. That's why. Cars yeah, are amazing. So I,
0: got, I got rid of my truck about a year ago now, especially with our job sites in the downtown area and parking. And it also forced me to... Get away from doing the hands-on work. Yep. Instead of focusing on my trade craft, I'm focusing now on my business craft. Makes a lot of sense,
1: man. Controlling spending. When is the right time to spend money? Does the company need more sales before spending money? So you're talking about just advancing the business, trying to figure out, okay, spending money on what? You're spending money on marketing? You're spending money on just forward thinking?
0: Everything. So marketing... Hiring people, the the company vehicles, getting an office space if you need an office space, storage space.
1: There's also office sharing spaces. There's all kinds of stuff. I had a, a recent um, conversation, I don't know how many people know Bob Foote. Bob Foote is the original uh, or the son of the original founding owner of Burfasco. Anybody who's outside of Canada doesn't know who Burfasco is, but there's actually um, there's a US company that's attached to it as well. So he he his dad and him built it from the 60s to the uh, all the way to, his dad took it from the 60s to the 80s he took it from the 80s to the 2000s he's gonna come on the show uh, he's a he's a lovely person lovely man and he is all about just sharing what he's learned and I actually had the privilege of sitting down for him with him for four hours talking just business and it was just fascinating just to talk to this guy so he he gave me some a bunch of insight and one thing that he told me. It doesn't matter what business you do or what you do or how you do it or it doesn't matter. Everything's applicable the same way. But he says that when you want to start looking at spending money on your business to make more money, he just said, literally grab your dollar. Grab that dollar that you want to spend look at it. It's important to look at it. Here in Canada, we're looking at a loony, right? In the States, it'd be a dollar bill. But look at that dollar. And before you send it off, you basically tell yourself that that dollar has got to come back with a friend. And that friend is another sales dollar. That's the objective of that marketing dollar. So you have to be very conscious of your marketing dollars, your spending, any kind of spending, know that that dollar has to bring a friend back. It's important.
0: So we started off in just working in like a 10 by 10 room in a basement, there was four of us, we did that for about a year and then everything got shut down, everybody had to work from home, it was extremely unproductive doing that on the office side working from home at the beginning, especially trying to collaborate as, as a team. And then we have, because we also had a a warehouse that I was uh, renting for my dad. He had the office space in the front. I had the warehouse in the back. So I had this idea. Why don't we just build some cubicles? So then we built some cubicles. We worked out of there for about a year. And we finally got our own office and warehouse space. So you just have to slowly progress until you can get to that stage.
1: But also assess your business to make sure that you're ready to actually consider that stage. You can't just, okay, this is what we got to do next. No, you got to make sure that your business at a certain point, that this is what's required to do next. And it's actually going to contribute to more ROI, right? So it's really important to get that return on investment. I, got, I like that you're saying here, uh, your your predictions on cash shortages and problems arising, right? So whatever, like a certain month or a period, all of a sudden things might not be moving as quickly. You might have a great January, February, and all of a sudden it starts to look a little dodgy, right? How do you handle that one?
0: it's definitely tough. It's either you have to allocate resources from one place to another to get that next payment, to meet that payment schedule, or you have to focus on trying to get more sales and and booking more jobs to keep the the cash going because this industry especially is extremely cash heavy. Yes. And especially newer businesses, banks do not like construction businesses. (laughs) they do not like giving credit it's smaller custom construction businesses
1: big subdivision multi-million banks love those guys love them for other reasons but i know what you're saying though i totally get what you're saying so yeah it makes a lot of sense to give yourself some time and mentally prepare for all this expect it don't be surprised by it
0: because if you mentally prepare for it subconsciously you're going to be thinking about ways Solutions. On how to fix
1: yeah for sure do resources needed uh to be allocated for one area to another to meet cash flow demands of course man you got to balance it all you got to figure it out for sure uh projects on company growth what do you mean by that
0: like projections on company growth got it so you so look into the future yeah so do you have a current backlog of jobs if you're booked up for a year? Maybe it doesn't make sense to be booked up for a year and raising your prices, you're taking on less work, the backlog's not as, as big, but you're more profitable. And if you're more profitable, you can invest that back into the company to grow. So at a, you gotta fi- everybody has to find for their own business. At what point, if you're booking eight months out, is your sweet spot booking six months out? And how do you do that? that you do that by raising your prices, you get less jobs, but you're more profitable
1: totally agree with you. How far advanced are you booking? I know a lot of guys are saying that the year's already done for them. I'm like, good for you guys. It's amazing.
0: We have projects into 2023. Okay. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to start about one project a month. Okay. So with the software Builder Trend that we use, we essentially template everything. And since we're doing a lot of laneway houses, it's very easy for us to just take the template schedule, import it into a new project. Plug and play. Yeah. And then just move things around depending on on the project. And since we have our list of vendors and sub trades, it makes it also easy to find find the right people for the project as well. But mm. as of right now, we have projects that we're starting up until May. And so we're looking at starting to book from June, July, August onwards.
1: How's your back end scheduling? Are you guys finishing on time? Or are you guys getting too many changes? Or things are just not I guess because material
0: shortages and things aren't there's delays. So ways to mitigate that is in that pre-construction planning, ordering that lumber that takes 2 to 3 months like the LVLs, ordering windows and doors that take oh, 4 to 6 months. 6
1: months, months no, I know. So we're
0: ordering them about 4 to 6 weeks before construction, so when it com- comes time to framing, they're ready to install, post framing, and then after that we're ready for siding. Don't have your windows and doors and can't do the siding
1: can't weather it. i know
0: and you don't want to start doing interior finishes without having the siding on
1: i got a job coming up in july and i've already told the clients we're not closing up before christmas there's no way those windows are going to get here before christmas i just have a funny feeling i'm being creskin this year that's all i'm just looking into a crystal ball they're being hopeful i just said sure we can be hopeful but it's it is four to six plus they've got a lot of challenging units these aren't just standard units there's a good amount that are are pretty funky units and so there's a lot of custom attached to it so it makes me nervous plus you're getting into the holiday break plus i don't know what's going on in the world right right so i don't i'd rather just overextend it go listen this is and then if we get it earlier hey great So if it's
0: starting in July, why don't you just start ordering them now so when Uh, you need them?
1: It's going to Committee of Adjustment now. Got it. So we're waiting on COA. They're very hopeful. And I'm like, we can be hopeful. Until we get the green light on COA, can't order anything, man. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. So as soon as you get that authorization from the Committee of Adjustment that you can build that far back by all means sure we can actually take it right off the drawings here's the windows and then we'll have to make sure we build it exactly to those openings right
0: so at what stage are you pricing projects are you doing design build or are you just doing build once you have the drawings
1: i'm just doing coding once i have the drawings and then i have the package the price package and then all of a sudden i start submitting and go from there right
0: so we just recently started only pricing permitted drawings yeah, okay because we ran into so many issues with permit delays and price increases
1: these are former clients they like me you know some of the few people that do um and i and i actually saw the the, the written initial sketches and i was in love with what they're doing i was just they were asking my opinion about it and i was like oh this is just beautiful man like absolutely beautiful this is just beautiful that's all i kept on saying and and i said it's challenging expensive but beautiful so i mean we'll see what happens architect sounds cool Sounds very cool. The team is on it. Uh, a lot of great ideas. But uh, yeah, we can't pull the trigger until we get the permit. I'm not, they, they've asked me to price it now, which I am. Um, but I've already told them listen, I'm pricing it now, I'll give you guys a very good ballpark. I can't stick to these numbers because we're not going to start until July. That's just the truth. So, like I said, I don't know what's going on in the world, right? So they just want to get a rough idea if we're out to lunch or how much we're going to need or what's the possibility. Um, but, yeah, it's a beautiful drawing. It's a beautiful design. So I don't even wait for the permanent drawings at that point. Hopefully we just say we'll get them. We go, all you can do. I mean, I've done it in the past where it's not that you press the building office. You just gently inquire. That's all it is. You know, you just kind of, I don't know, plant a seed. Be nice about it and see where you're at. See if everything's been properly submitted. And then all of a sudden, how are we looking? Where are we at? We're we at the top of the pile, we're we at the bottom of the pile, middle of the pile, where are we at? How many piles do we have going on this year? Like it just be some friendliness. That's all it is. Uh, but yeah, you never know. Like, I mean, everyone's hopeful that it will arrive in June. I'm suspecting July.
0: So I'm sure a lot of the leads that come in are clients that don't have drawings. Of course. So how do you handle that? Do you just tell them, here's a list of architects? Do you try to go through the process with them? Yeah. So I'll I'll introduce them.
1: I'll do the intros. And all of a sudden here, you know, based on what you guys want to try to achieve, the style or the purpose behind what you want to renovate, I think this is the go-to person that you should be speaking to. Have a conversation with them. See if you like them. If you do, then great. Then they'll submit a quote. Then you guys will go from there. He'll submit drawings, revisions, all this other stuff. I've got nothing to do with it. I'm left in the loop i'm just being aware of it and then all of a sudden they'll ask my two cents i'll share my two cents and then we just keep on moving from them there most of the time though i'm looking at more i want to see the drawings like i want to see what the architect has already taken to structural and already seen an idea of structural i'm curious at that point sure it's beautiful to draw but i want to know how crazy we're getting with structural here i need to figure out that so then i can start giving you guys a much better price
0: Yeah. Structural is definitely one of the key factors for figuring out pricing.
1: Yeah. Project growth, focus on what you're best at and hire the rest. That's that's basically construction. Everybody don't fault yourself. If you don't figure that out in your first, second, tenth year of construction, you'll eventually figure that out that you can't do everything, but you can do some really good things. But then the rest of it, hire somebody else.
0: And then also people that you hire, even yourself, Put your best people on your biggest opportunities, not your biggest problems.
1: For sure. Let them problem solve. And uh, so use your payment schedules and uh, yes, payment, yeah?
0: payment schedules. So if you coordinate your payment schedules with your project schedules, you can then enter that into the cash flow projection to see where you're sitting.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: And also updating cash flow projections on a regular basis because sure everybody's heard it. Cash is king.
1: Especially in construction. If you work out a schedule with them, you won't be charged interest.
0: Actually, I've heard of that as well, too. So we've done this a couple times, uh, especially during 2020, when not many people were were buying or doing uh, projects. There was definitely cash flow situations. So if you contact the CRA and you work out a payment schedule with them, you don't have to worry about that interest. It's when you let it sit and they start knocking on your door when, is they when chase there's a problem. You. Yeah,
1: when they chase you, you expect problems. If you go to them first, that's where you hire a proper accountant or somebody that's going to be handling all this. They know how to handle it. It's important. Don't be the bad guy to them. Don't be the a-hole to them. Don't be disrespectful to them. Like I said at the beginning of the show, they're just like us, man. They're just trying to figure out where the
0: voids are, and you're trying to figure fill out all the voids. And if you are behind on your taxes, that's when it starts raising the red flags, and 100%. they want to start auditing you. Yeah. Okay, so let's discuss markup versus margin. So this is a tough one that I didn't understand for quite a while. What's markup and what's margin? So markup is essentially whatever your job cost is uh, by a certain percentage that, that you mark it up. hmm Uh, on top of your job costs to cover your job costs your overhead and the ability to make a profit so for example a 30 percent markup is a 23 percent gross profit 100 percent markup is a 50 percent gross profit or margin Mm -hmm. and that's for a lot of people that's a tough concept to understand it took me a while to understand that and once you do understand that you are going to start being quite a bit more profitable
1: it's funny how sorry i just going to interrupt you a bit um are people in construction carrying too much overhead for their business these days
0: i think so i used to take on too much overhead yeah at the beginning i agree
1: with you i think they are taking on too much i think that the gravy train has been great for 2020 it's been great for 2021 it's looking great again for 2022 but i think that they're yeah they're extending their overhead far too much in the event that something dramatically happens they will be caught off guard
0: and i'm preparing for a recession because i know it's coming it's been a while there's been a history every 10 or so years there's typically a recession how young Summer, are you i'm 29 so I haven't really been through a recession yet. No, but, but it's, it's good of I'm you really to be saying. I'm really big sane. on
1: finance. Yeah, yeah. It's good that you're saying it, man. Like you're, It's not that you're saying it, you're seeing it. You're looking at history on how it all works and, and something's got to give. That's just how it is. And
0: one of my business partners has been in the industry for about 40 years now. And he's been through multiple recessions. He knows that how things are right now, how crazy prices are and even some of the trades charging crazy prices that when it comes to a recession, they're gonna be begging you for work.
1: Oh, I know, that's what's gonna turn around. So it's I keep going back to do not kill these relationships, man. Do not leave on bad terms you, because people who are lucky enough to still have work and keep on going and survive and do stuff, those are the ones you're gonna to wanna to reach out to for employment because they'll have opportunities, right? So don't burn anything after that. I always
0: try to leave the door open with any 100%. relationship, even with a subtrade that I don't want to work with again. I don't leave it on bad terms.
1: Uh, I'm I'm more of the mind that if you fuck me over once, I just don't give you a second chance. That's just how simple it is. I don't I don't care. To I don't just I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's just, just, that's just me. I'm too old to. I'll move on. That's it. So I'm liking that you you figured out the markup and the margin. I'm liking that. Uh, I mean, do you want to go through all of them here and just let everybody know here? So markup at 10%. Yeah,
0: sure. We can go through that. Markup at 10% is a 9% margin. 15% markup, 13% margin. 20% markup, 16.7% margin. 25% markup, 20% margin. 30% markup, 23% margin. 35% markup. 25.9% margin, 40% markup, 33% margin. Actually, I think there's an error here because I've got 50% markup and also 33% margin. It's probably got to be a little bit higher, 37 or something. And 100% markup, 50% margin.
1: And then it's also interesting that um, your net profit, right? It's not all salary at that point,
0: right? Salary goes under overhead, which is part of gross profit. Net profit is... For the owner's compensation, for taking the risk of running a business, and also to help grow the business, you don't grow your business on overhead or gross profit, you grow it on the net profit. Yes,
1: 100%. I was actually just recently, I think on the last show or the show before that, I was actually just saying to take your profit and cut it in half and see if you can survive running the business that way taking that one half and investing it in some, some something else just watching it grow make it grow on its own don't take your full amount of profit and putting it all back into the company and I started thinking could that work would that work
0: you definitely want to diversify a bit don't want to put all your eggs in one basket yeah at the beginning when starting out you might not have a choice but to invest it back in the business but at a certain point, You can definitely take out from the business and start investing into other aspects yes what did we miss kyle Uh, covered a lot man there's one more thing here that i just want to go over yeah as your sales increase your over your percentage of overhead starts getting lower because you have your your fixed costs and then you have your variable costs your fixed costs are the same so for example if you have an office space And if you're doing uh, a million dollars out of that office or $5 million out of that office, your overhead is pretty much the same for the most part. Other than maybe you have to hire a couple office staff, but that cost of that office is the same.
1: I agree with you 100%, but I don't see that going on in today's construction industry. Because as we mentioned before that, I think that a lot of contractors are overextending their overhead which basically means it tells me that they are buying that latest new tool. They are switching to a new truck. They are incurring more overhead as a result because business is great right now. So that overhead, technically speaking, which I agree with you, should be dropping the more you're working and you're successful and you're building your business. But I think in today's, oh, for the gram, is not happening. I think that they're like, Tons and tons of guys have reached out to me. I'm buying a fully electric pickup truck. I'm going to spend the six figures on a fully electric truck. What's that going to do to your overhead? So, I mean, I would, I would challenge contractors to actually draw this graph that you've been working on. Do the exact same thing. Take it from, maybe even go back in time and look at 2020. Look at 20. Look at 2019 before the pandemic. Look at 2020. Look at 2021 and see where your overhead is on all three of those years and predict where your overhead's going to be for 2022. And if that line is still going up a steep curve and not dropping down, you're doing something wrong.
0: The tool section, especially where they have all the all the sale tools. Yeah. Or the special buys at Home Depot. It's the worst thing you can do going through that section. <laughs> I used to go through that section all the time.
1: Or, or go to Princess Auto or go whatever. Like That's what I'm saying is, like, do you really need these? I don't know a lot of people in the business need them. Do they want them? Sure. But do they really need them? You know, and like you said earlier, you got to figure out balance. Is it going to make your business more efficient? Are you going to finish a job sooner? I understand the specialty tools for certain trades, tuck pointing tools for bricklayers and, and things like that. I understand those kinds of tools spending that money. But... A new impact drill just because it's the coolest one lately and then a bunch of more new batteries i don't know about that do you really need that i don't know Uh, it's good i love that you did this man this is freaking amazing man
0: anything else we missed anything else you want to talk about before we actually wrap Um, it up i think that's all i've got to say about this is there anything that you want to add to the subject?
1: I'm impressed that you're 29 and you know a lot more than most people that have been in this business. You haven't been in the business that long, but I think you, what you've done correctly is that you analyze this business. You actually figured out where are the holes, and you figured out, like, like we've talked about in so many times, what are you good at, and try to figure out who's going to be good at the other stuff. And then you basically have focused, from what I gather a lot more attention on the paper side of the business instead of the construction side of the business, which I think is what you should be doing because the construction side of the business, that's a walk in the park, man. For all of us that are in this business, we have a love, we have a passion, we enjoy it, we wanna do it. Nobody has a love and passion for paperwork except for the accountants and all those people and they're weird, right? So it's just, they love this stuff. And we so don't. so
0: I used to be very arrogant thinking that, oh, I'm the best at what I do on the hands-on side But to be honest, there's a thousand other people that can provide the exact same quality that you can provide. If you focus on the business side, you're going to be much further ahead.
1: You will. And actually, you'll build your business further faster, too. That's a fact, man.
0: All right, right. Let's before
1: we get into the 12 questions here, again, Kyle Springer from 2x2 Construction, and its uh, website is 2x2construction.ca, and the buy is an X. Email is Kyle at 2x2construction.ca. On Instagram, it's 2x2construction. You ready for the 12 questions? I am. Actually, you asked me to do something that other people never asked me to do, and I actually think I'm going to start doing this. I give up the questions before... Because I'm always surprising them on the questions Unless they listen to the show and they know all about it But uh, I gave them up So then you can actually come up with some answers Uh, What is your favorite construction word? Probably fuck (laughs) What is your least favorite construction word? Change order What turns you on in construction?
0: Carpentry What turns you off in construction? Drywall plaster (laughs) What is your favorite curse word? Same as my favorite construction
1: <laughs> <work>. <laughs> What is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world. I'd probably say the Model S. Tesla. Yeah. Uh, what is your least favorite vehicle? Those little small smart cars. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? Skill saws. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Jackhammers. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Anything in the
0: finance space. What profession would you not like to do? There being a painter or a drywall plasterer. <laughs> you have no love for drywall, eh? Last question. If heaven
1: exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I actually have no idea. <laughs> Nothing at all? It's just going to be a blank look, I guess? Blank look possibly yeah kyle thanks so much for reaching out man i really appreciate you reaching out and and this is all valuable information that the old-timers and the young guys were going to appreciate and pay attention to because like you said I, I agree with you a lot of guys in the industry are hesitant nervous to reach out to other people but i think that construction is a very warm and inviting industry i think that we actually just by nature want to share knowledge and just give it up to other people and let them see what they can do with it so I really appreciate you taking the time to actually come on the show and do this and sharing all this valuable information. And thanks there. for
0: having me. If anybody ever has any questions about finances or the business side, feel free to reach out to me, send me an email. I'm happy to set up a phone call, answer any questions, because I just wish that when I was starting out, I had the opportunity to learn from somebody or some sort of mentor, learn all this stuff instead of figuring out all on my own.
1: Would have made it a huge difference, but I guess you couldn't, you didn't have that, or I guess.
0: At the time, when I was starting like eight, nine years ago, because I started when I was like 21. Okay. There wasn't, social media wasn't was as it is is today in the sense that there's more people on there. There's more people willing to share information.
1: It's true. There is. So you just got to weed it out and source it out. But I like that what happens with the show. Anybody that's on the show, I get a lot of people, they all reach out to each other and just have a conversation because they listen to the show and they get the two cents and they get a sense of the person, which I really like. And that's why I have joked so many times that we're the construction Tinder, and I like that. So everybody hook up, swipe. All right, again, everybody reach out to him. Kyle Springer, it's website, two by 2 constructionca Kyle at 2by2construction.ca. On Instagram, 2by2construction. Thanks, man. We're out of here.
0: Thanks.